and welcome back to the Life and Book Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Fleming, and today we are going to be dancing and talking with the most thrilling psychological author from Australia, who I completely adore, and uh, my husband says if I buy any more books, he's going to shoot me. So, <laughs> we're going to get into that. But first, uh, just a little advert from a fellow Australian author, Marianne Curley. And it's for her book, The Shadow Time Guardian, Book 4. The battle is over, the war is won, the prophecy complete. The life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan. Struggling to cope with tragic loss at odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping at shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge and fulfill the immortal's plan for world domination. But Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battle through the the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks around every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And now we can get on to some really thrilling conversation with the one and only Nicole Trope. I hope I said your name right. I am Scottish, yes, so it comes out wrong. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I, I would, didn't laugh. I would say rope with a T in the front. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, funny enough, I had um, Madeline Martin on last night, and I totally pronounced the Madeline wrong. <laughs> oh, did you? I think it's very hard if you haven't heard someone's name pronounced. Yeah, it, it's it's not just that. Like with the Scottish accent, sometimes when you because we pronounce our letters slightly different too, that it can come out sounding different to like how. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it would. Especially for Americans, they find it kind of, like, confusing sometimes. And I'm like, but I have seen the letter. It's just, doesn't sound the same. (laughs) But, yeah. Um, So, I discovered you, um, funnily enough, when I was, I'd finished a Fiona Cummings novel here in the UK. Uh, She's a great thriller writer. And I was searching for a book, and your name actually cropped up is uh, recommended um, they were actually comparing you to being the Australian version of her um, and oh, that wow. intrigued me and that led me to say I have to have her on the podcast because I have to learn more about this woman and your stories are just so chilling in a good way that I was like yeah this this is a woman I want to get to know so I, I could not wait to have you on so tell us about the book you're most excited about releasing or is coming out? So that from our chat before, this podcast will be played kind of in between two books. The first one is coming out in June 2022. It's called His Other Wife. And the second one is coming out towards the end of the year. That's called The Foster Family. I'll talk about His Other Wife is the story of um, a woman who, has a struggle she has a struggle with postnatal not postnatal depression after loss and she kind of loses herself 
and we pick up where she has completely lost her grip on reality and right. her husband has to step in to help her her ex-husband and he has a new wife and oh. so that's where the, the the novel begins but then yeah. we go to to three months later when sarah is finally well enough to come home and she comes home to a world that's totally changed because her her daughter is now being taken care of by another woman and her husband yep. and she has to find her way back and there's a whole lot of different things that take place with sarah having to figure out how she fits into emily's world and just figuring out how to be in the world and um her how charlotte her ex-husband's new wife deals with the situation and there are some it's 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 a bit of a different book for me in terms of it starts yeah. with voices coming in from the outside that are keeping Sarah awake and what is she imagining and why is she imagining this and so it, it is very different and coming to the end of the book that was quite it was quite interesting how that played out. <laughs> It sounds it, yeah, and it's it sounds like you've you sort of stepped out your comfort zone with this one a little bit, and you're experiencing sort of different, would I say, different writing and different writing styles with this one. No, it's not really a different writing style. It's just it's possibly, I think I'm experiencing a situation where first of all I had to get into the headspace of somebody who had suffered from a mental breakdown. And what yep. that felt like, and it's it's centered around insomnia, and then I had to get into the headspace of loving a child that wasn't your child because Charlotte loves Emily and she's doing the very best for her. And then there's this man in between, who's a husband who's he's got his own issues, obviously, and he's yeah. dealing with these two women and and what problems he may or may not have caused and what he may or may not be involved in. So all of that plays into it. I think that I've often in my novels the child has a very distinct voice their own chapter and things like that and this yeah. time she doesn't she's only little but i mean she still has a very distinct voice but i this yeah. is the first time i've done it the perspective of the three adults is where i'm working from yeah and that's i mean when whenever you kind of like go into that situation where you're changing even just the smallest amount i always find of like a different kind of writing a story or you're having to change like just the certain voices that you pick out I always find that's a huge leap almost when you're writing because it, it feels like you're you are sort of like coming out your comfort zone. you're you're kind of pushing yourself out and saying okay I'm going to test myself with this so how did you you know personally get into the mind space of that sort of mental breakdown was COVID a really helpful factor for your research or was it I think, so I, much. to be honest, I think insomnia is a very helpful part of it. That idea yeah. of, and 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 if you you have if you have a child, you know that you go through all these months of literally no sleep, and then yeah. I think as we get older, insomnia for a lot of people, a lot of people don't sleep, and the way you feel, I I went through a particular period where I wasn't sleeping for a lot of days, and I, I woke up one morning and I was talking to. I think it was my husband and my son, and I was so angry at everybody and everything. And I, yeah. I realized that what's happened is that my body can't rest. And it's it's so important. And I think that if it's a continual thing, it can. I mean, there's a reason they use it as a form of torture. Yeah, of course. And, and to be honest, I, I, I last year I had three weeks where I just didn't sleep. 
So I know wow. what that insomnia feels like. Um, you know, fortunately I was in, I was getting a jaw surgery and uh, it got messed up and they had to give me very strong painkillers. And my, my response whenever they gave me really strong painkillers is I become in, an insomniac and I can't oh. sleep. <laughs> so I'm like sitting there, <laughs> eyes huge because I couldn't sleep. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I understand that probably better than anyone. And I've, I've had sleep issues my entire life. So it was so good for me to kind of experience like the journey from understanding, okay, sleep. I used to go, oh, I got sleep issue. I don't care. I'll just take the tablets, I'll fall asleep. But not having the tablets for those three weeks and then having the painkillers that kept me up was just, yeah. oh, it was hell. And I was so glad to get them back. <laughs> I'm sure. And, it, and, and you can feel, you can literally feel like you're losing grip on reality, which is what yeah, does happen do, to yeah. Sarah. In the middle of the night, everything feels impossible and worse and sounds are elevated and, and your heart rate is elevated and you get yourself into yep. a loop so and it's yeah. exhaustion so an too, interesting yeah. experience to think about and i think it's worse if you have a particular insomnia where your body's exhausted but your brain yeah. just doesn't turn off it doesn't let you sleep i think that's where that particular kind that i've noticed um sort of experiencing and being in sleep clinics and stuff seems to be the one that has the most emotional toll I would say it was the one that made people really angry it made people very emotional and anyone that's gone through that will really connect with your novel I think on a whole other level you know because they'll be able to say holy crap you know there's somebody else has felt this you know it makes them feel less alone and I always say that that sometimes books are really good for making people feel like they're not alone in situations Uh, that is that's pretty much everybody who contacts me readers who contact me inevitably contact me because they felt oh somebody got this somebody understands what I'm feeling and that I mean that's pretty much the best part of writing yeah, and I, I think that's that's incredible. And and our job here at the Book and Life podcast is to do that. It is to connect people with novels that they wouldn't otherwise look at, but is really good for making you feel connected into the world, especially since COVID, where a lot of us feel very disconnected, where, you know, we spent, what, two years living in our houses and our fluffy pajamas and hardly getting dressed properly or hardly ever getting to go out and now all of a sudden you know we're supposed to go out and we're supposed to be living our lives outside the house and computers and it's almost like some of us kind of struggle with that because we're forgetting how to do that so for authors I feel like it's even a little bit harder for us because we we all live with the computer because that's our our way of working it's our yeah. is our life but it, i think it's even harder because you're you're having to kind of find that extra energy to get up and to get dressed and to go outside and to have conversations with people and that don't live in your house and and socialize and i mean i i'll openly admit i really struggled after it like after everything got lifted to go out 
because I was still nervous about it. I was still kind of like, and I, I had to try and convince myself that it was worth leaving the house. I wasn't losing writing time. I was, I was adding to. Yeah, I think too. I think that you can you can start to feel like it's when I know that any time I'm at home, if I'm not writing, if I'm not doing something domestic, if I'm not writing, I feel like I'm wasting my time. Um, but yeah. I do I do force myself to go out. I, I sort of have a morning a week where I, that's when I run errands, and that's. I've turned it yep. into something where I then get the paper and sit to, and read the paper over a coffee, and so it's my time out of the house because otherwise I barely leave the house at all. Yeah, I know it's so crazy. Like to, to think, what two years ago we were all sitting in cafes writing, or we were going out to write just to kind of get out the house and socialize with other people, and and now the idea of sitting in a cafe and writing is so foreign to all of us now. I would say. I think so. To a certain extent, I think Australia, we seem to have come through it in a different way, possibly because yeah. there's so much space and, you know, I live in the suburbs and so there was a lot of walking around, like walking the dog outside the house and um, things yeah. like that. And the, every now and again, though, I'll see a situation that looks completely normal and I'll think, wow, COVID feels surreal now, that kind yeah. of intense two-year period when you sort of watch a whole lot of people walking around without masks. I mean, I, I still wear a mask, but... Um, it, so it, do I. <laughs> just, yeah. I still have that moment of... I remember when I see you, I, I was like last year, I'm wearing the mask. <laughs> I'm like, I'm no, not no, going no, back no. there. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because I, I've talked to so many authors and it is, I honestly do ask everyone, I'm like... So what was your experience? Because everyone had a different experience with COVID. For me, I was trying to write. I'd moved back home with my parents and my husband was moving in. And it was like trying to set up a new routine in the house with my mom and my, my dad. And My mom just did not understand writing that if you close the door and you have your headphones on, don't disturb this person because they're mid-flow. Um so yeah, it took it took a lot, and it. I had an emotionally draining job anyway at that time. I was working with kids with uh, disabilities, and then I was also a youth leader for uh, teenagers at risk at night. And then I was coming home and I was trying to write, and I was wow, just I was just exhausted. So like, yeah, COVID kind of made me rethink everything because I'd left. I I'd walked away from writing, and it brought me back whether I wanted to come back or not because I was stuck in the house. I was high risk. So I had to shield the entire time. And yeah, it really made me appreciate my writing, my computer. And <laughs> it's, a, it's a way to be, at, it's a way to be somewhere else, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it was an escape. It, it really yeah. was. And I think I read more the past two years than I've ever done in my life because at night just so that I could decompress and I could actually sleep because COVID had me like wired a lot so I would read and I would read a lot and that got me through just that being able to step into a book and not have to read about COVID or hear about COVID just for like an hour two hours was bliss <laughs> it really yeah I, I I have read a lot of I mean I, I personally would never won't be using it in my books but I've uh, there seems to be some resistance to COVID novels um, mm -hmm. that are coming out. It's like people going, I don't want to hear about it. 
I don't want to yeah, exactly. read about it now. Yeah. Maybe we're just too close. I think so. I think it'll be like, you know, five years from now or something like that when it's almost like a distant memory where we might pick it up and, and read it for nostalgia purposes. But I think we've, we've all kind of, it's, it's changed everyone. Like even my husband, um, he enjoys the day far more. He will, he slows down a lot more. He's not like running around crazy trying to do like 50 million things he really takes his time to like enjoy a cup of juice and have a conversation and you know take me out on date night which you know is usually interesting <laughs> um but you know it's like those things it's almost made everyone around me sort of appreciate things more and, and family members that had stopped reading completely are now back reading and, and enjoying books and it's gives me something to talk to them about because I'm a bit of a hermit anyway so having a book in common is 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 fantastic um that is yeah yeah it's a good way it's a good bridge I always say it's a good bridge so going into our book uh portion of the show we're gonna ask I always say it's a difficult question but a fun one what's the book you've read recently that stuck with you the most so I've just finished The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, um, which I'm sure you've heard of. I mean, he's massive. Um, and yeah. it, the, the reason that it's still stuck with me, even though I've sort of started another one and moved on, is is the idea of choices and mm-hmm. would you still be doing this? And I, I thought, like, imagine finding myself there and getting the chance to choose a whole lot of different lives. And I, I, I still have the feeling that no matter where I was, I'd land up back here writing books. I, I yeah. can't quite imagine myself as anybody else doing any other thing. So I thought that was quite interesting. It, I, I was saying to my husband, if you could choose, if you could choose something different, and I know he's got a whole lot of different ideas, but for me, yeah, um, this is where I've, I, only where I've wanted, ever wanted to be. Well, I mean, you, I know from from your history that you've tried different things that, and it's eventually led you here. You know, you had a similar journey to me where. I tried many different routes and I, I always ended up back at writing. So, you know, it, it's weird because us writers, it's almost like we, we do try a lot of different things, but we can never quite get away from the writ, you know, writing words down on a page and just pouring our souls out. And it seems to be, it's, I always say it's a lifestyle. And I think, yeah, it's, I think yeah. we view the world in a different way. Yeah, you can't. Like, I mean, I'm terrible. I can't just sit in the car. I have to, like, read a book so that I'm not thinking about whatever it is I'm writing at home. Because otherwise oh, I just yeah, get sucked definitely. back into that world and I'm making notes in the car and Hubby feels like he's honestly like an Uber driver. <laughs> and I'm like, you're not, darling, you're really not. I just, if I'm not reading or if I'm not writing, I, I don't know what to do with myself. And I find it almost odd to to try and sit and do nothing and not have my hands doing something and I very much blame my grandmother for that because I I was never allowed to just sit in her house if I was in her house my hands had to be doing something whether it was drinking tea whether it was knitting whether it was writing whether it was reading I had to be doing something she was one of those grandmothers that believed uh, you know 
always be do something. Not a bad thing. I also, I, if I make a phone call, I've got to be doing something else with my hands. So I, yep. I can't just sit and talk on the phone. There has to be a whole lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, my, my dad's bitterly complains about that, actually, because he can hear me typing and he's like, are you writing? No. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you're not listening to me. Yeah, I am. I know what you said. <laughs> so I'm terrible. I, I actually will say to him, you know, phone me at like such a time because I'll be writing. And then that way I will do diamond painting or I will cross stitch while he talks. And then that way I'm not feeling too guilty about sort of writing while he's talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and the great thing about diamond painting is you're kind of you don't have to think about it really at yes. all because it's just matching symbols with colors. And so I can listen to him and have a full-blown conversation and he has no idea that I'm doing it. So that's kind of my thing. Or if I'm doing, because I do a lot of research for my books, if I'm watching a lot of non-fiction shows, because I'm terrible and I'm a true crime fan, but I've never done a crime or a thriller novel that's been published um i will watch a lot of it but in order for me to take it in i have to be doing a craft to take it in and it's the same when i'm watching my videos for my university studies i'm actually if i'm not writing notes then i'm sewing or i'm diamond painting or i'm painting because it's the only way that my brain seems to absorb anything um so yeah, that those are my tricks that I've I've learned anyway. <laughs> no, I know that's fair enough. I think that I um I, I get the domestic stuff done when I'm yeah. when I'm doing stuff that doesn't require me to actually be typing. So then my body's busy but my brain is free to yeah. to concentrate. So are you a big podcast fan or I I am because I, I walk my dog so and I listen to a podcast. Um Right now I'm listening to Happier, which Ooh, okay. is Gretchen Rubin and her sister. And I'm sure I'm late to the party uh, because I, obviously I only no, started. No, I'm, I'm later than you. Me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, and it's just it's just, just two sisters talking, ways to make your life better. And I find it's very – it means I get to appreciate the sun coming up and the weather and what the dog's doing, and it's just nice. I feel like I've got some friends with me. Yeah, it, it it does feel like that. And it's so weird because, like, my friend stays 45-minute drive from here. And, of course, I don't drive. So she is a big Disney fan. So she, when she comes over, it's Disney songs. And then when I take – when we go out together, I always put a podcast on. And she's like, you prefer podcasts now? And I'm like, well, yeah, when we're driving because it's like, you know, we can talk about what's on the podcast. I can't really talk about Disney songs. No, I know you can't really. <laughs> so she she finds that funny that that like I'll just turn on the phone and let the podcast roll and and stuff like that. And she's really into like the dark fairy tales podcast. Oh, really? No, I haven't. That is that, that is good. Like, see if you're like because you'll appreciate the dark twists of fairy tales. Um, that podcast is really good because it talks about fairy tales that are not really published. So, you know, it's stories that maybe come from Japan or stories that come from 
different parts of the world because fairy tales has been re you know this the idea of certain fairy tales has been used all over the world and they kind of explore that and so i kind of been encouraging her that way because she would you know she does enjoy that that kind of stuff um and I think there really is a podcast for everybody now. There's there's lots of uh, book trivia well, podcasts. Absolutely, and I think you can't. If you've got an interest, there will be a podcast. Yeah. So I keep telling yeah. Hobby that, that there's bike podcasts, and he looks at me. Funny. I know. I'm trying to convince everyone in my family. I'm not succeeding. <laughs> so you you've got the struggle I have. To. Yeah, I just you wouldn't believe you can listen to anything, and they're like, no. I'm not interested. So anyway, you know what? They'll come in their own time. I love I love listening to podcasts. It means that I'm yeah, because really they they were a bit yeah. Mines are a bit behind the curve with books, so yeah. uh, usually I'm having to kind of nudge them. You know, like Fair oh, this enough. is a really good book. Trying to like encourage, but without like you know appearing obvious about it. So what I what I do is I say, hey, I thought I'd lend you this. That's my new technique. And it works. It works. And uh, I, I, they don't listen to my podcast, which is, I think is brilliant because I can let in people in secrets and stuff like that. But yeah, I'll like, I'll go by and I'll say, yeah, you know, this book, I've just read it. It's really good. Do you like it? Um, and they're, because they come from Glasgow, a lot of my family anyway, they all love crime because Glasgow was a very, um, it was a port and it was a miner's place, and they had the steelworks, and they built ships. So they're a very kind of crime-orientated group. So I, I usually get thrillers and stuff that I know is going to like make them sit up at night and read and kind of do something other than watch the television, and that has, has worked wonders, so that's... Excellent. You can try that trick with uh, the podcast. Say, hey, you know, I was no, wanting I to show this. I would have this. to go searching for things that would interest them, I suppose. Yeah, and then just sort of drop hints about it, and you'll you'll find it works. It's 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 odd. It 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 does actually work, and uh, so yeah, I'm trying. I'm going to try that today with my hubby. Is I'm going to look for bike podcasts and then encourage okay. him <laughs> down that route because <laughs> he has Spotify. He just doesn't know how to use it no i know if you don't know it's there and if you aren't looking yeah so it took me a while to find it but now that i have i'm a firm fan yeah so am i i think i think i think yeah it's it's good and there's actually a lot of book podcasts out there but it's it's book reviews it's not really like this you know having a conversation and stuff so it's interesting yeah so who do you wish you could uh sit and enjoy and read if time wasn't like an issue is there like a series or an author that you would read or so i am a terry pratchett fan ah way okay and uh, yeah so i have read every book and probably most of them three or four times uh they are my comfort and my home and it's completely okay. different to what i write but that's possibly why i love it so i was very sad when he died and yeah, I've got a whole collection on my bookshelf that I can go back to any time I want. He was an incredible writer. I know that my my husband is a huge fan of him, and yeah, we were we were very sad that that we lost him as well. And it's funny you say that because what I you know I've spoken to a lot of authors in a short space of time, um, and everyone says the same. Like when they're writing 
a certain genre, they can't read that genre. Yeah, because I it's almost I, like it fuddles us, you know. Yeah, I think, and I think I don't. I wouldn't ever want to find somebody else's work in my book. I wouldn't ever want to think yeah. where did that come from. Um, so I'll, yeah. I'll read certain ones um, that ha- that are very popular, just out of interest. But my, I, I read across all the other genres instead, really. Yeah. Is there a, like, do you read the romance version? Like, you know, you know like I, suspense and stuff? I read some romance. Like, I read Carolyn Brown, an American who writes, you Ooh, know, Southern romance. Yeah. So I read her. Um, yeah. But I like contemporary family stories. Um, oh, okay. So a lot of Joanna Trollope. Love Alice Hoffman. Um, I love, love Rosamund Pulcher. I mean, I know she's not, she's not writing anymore, but her books also yeah. are wonderful. And so I'll read just about everybody. Uh, I'm not <laughs> particularly picky. I um, Before COVID, I used to go to the library and kind of pick a letter and choose a whole lot of new authors and it's amazing what you discover and you know I mean a lot of the times you find something oh this wasn't for me but I do read everything I can read I'm not picky like that like that I'll I'll have to introduce you to uh Fiona Cummings work because she's an incredible mind um and her book's yeah, really no, fast. Now, so I've got it written down now, so I will be looking <laughs> for her books. <laughs> and you know when she's just released Into the Dark? Um, right. I can, and it's like a spin-off from Rattle and Bone Collector. So if you read Rattle and Bone Collector first. Oh, okay. And then you go into 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 the Dark, you will, yeah, you will just adore it because she's actually taken a character from the t- the first two books of hers and they're now all grown up and uh she's she sort of has them as a sort of police detective and we're following his story now as him all grown up so yeah i mean it's i love the pace of hers because it's so quick and easy to get through and you know another um author i always i ask people about now i know in australia every Catherine Cookson's well known in Australia, um, but I always sort of kind of say, "Well, have you heard of her? And what did you think of her?" And I like to find out just because she's a, an author that I admired growing up, but she's kind of being forgotten about almost because she's she's no longer with us. Um, and I think it's sad because authors that are no longer with us they slowly kind of fade into time and they're slowly forgotten. So I, you know, I always ask to see if. People know her, and I, you know what? And so, obviously, I recognize her name, and I yeah. have a feeling that I probably, growing up, did read some of her work. I, yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you what, but I'm definitely sure I read her. Because, I mean, I, I think her yeah. most popular series was the Tilly Trotter series, um, and though you know that one sort of seems to be the one that everyone kind of remembers or knows, and. Um, I read one of hers not too long ago called Hamilton, which is about horse. This this woman creates a, she's emotionally abused to the point where she kind of like becomes creative in another way. She's a writer too in the in the story, and she creates a horse to get through all these trials in life, and the horse sort of symbolizes her her way of kind of escaping all of that. Because this horse will oh, do that really. really good. I must have a yeah. look. Um, look, you're going to leave me with a lot of um, suggestions. 
Yeah, I do that. It, it's funny because another author said, my husband's going to go and shoot me now because <laughs> I'm going to go out and buy all these books and he's going to be like, where did you get all this? <laughs> my husband does the same, by the way. I uh, We hit 900 books that I have in the house. And, you know, it's that way I buy him books, but I also buy myself books. So he'll be like, buy me books for Christmas, like bookcases for Christmas, because he just knows I'm going to run out of space. <laughs> he's just like... And also, he's a little scared of the, like, you know how you get a TBR pile and you just start put books on top oh, of the yeah, TBR yeah. pile? Mine yeah, looks like the leaning pizza. Yeah. So he's, he's terrified this is going to come over and, like, do him in one night. So <laughs> he's like, I just want to buy you bookcases just in case. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah, he's 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 great for that. Do you do you have that same kind of conversation with your hubby or? No, I mean I've got I've got sort of bookcases. There's bookcases everywhere and books stored everywhere. Um, yeah. But then the the more that ebooks come into, you know, I, there's books on my Kindle and there's books on my tablet, and so the books are yep. everywhere. But yep. I think that ebooks are definitely changing the way I read. I've heard that a lot from different people. I think uh, for people like me who are extremely dyslexic, which um, it can be trying to read if you're dyslexic sometimes, I I cannot read off a screen. See, right. like the Kindle screens and stuff. I don't know what it is. I, I have to go through a dyslexic assessment at some point. Um, but yeah, like I struggle with that. And my husband bought me a Kindle years ago and I could not read off it I would get distracted and I couldn't focus on it I think the act of actually turning a page is coming for my learning disability so it gives me that kind of thing that I focus on okay I once I read that I get to turn the page kind of system and it makes it easier for me to say okay because I like to read chapter by chapter. So, I'll like, I'll read maybe two chapters or four chapters and then I stop for a break or I stop and I have to go and do other things. And that seems to be what helps me rather than thinking of percentages. Because it used yeah. to always come up well, percentage. Yeah, no, I yeah. understand. Well, I, th- I think however you read, if you listen to an audiobook, if you're reading a book, if you're reading on t- I think however you read, you read as long as you're reading. So, that's yeah, the yeah, part. it's and it's really supposedly good for your brain too. Funnily enough, they they've been doing studies on that, uh, and apparently it can reduce dementia and it can reduce Alzheimer's risks. Oh wow! Yeah, no, I didn't I know. Yeah, yeah, I I find that very interesting. So, is there an author, past and present, who you would say a inspired you to read and got you excited about reading? but also maybe inspired you to write? Um, in, in terms of inspiring me to write, so probably Faye Weldon uh, inspired yeah. me to write because I, it, I remember before I read her, I thought, well, I can't actually write a book and I can't say anything nasty and I can't ever create unlikable characters and I, everything has to be in, yeah. and, and I couldn't create those books. So I thought, well, maybe I can't write. Once I started reading yeah. her, I thought, oh, you can create highly unlikable characters and you can be nasty <laughs> and mean and that's fine. And, yep. uh, yeah, so that's what it, that definitely inspired me, definitely. 
um, also I read a lot of fantasy as a child and the the idea of world creation, even though I don't write fantasy, that was something yeah. I wanted to do to create a different world. So I suppose I create a different world. It's just a world here. It's in a suburb or, you know, wherever. Yeah. No, I, I understand that about fantasy because if I'm doing contemporary, I have to read fantasy to almost kind of, so I have that separation between what I'm writing and what I'm reading. And then when I'm writing fantasy, I'll read something like crime or I'll go to a different genre just to kind of keep it intact. So, yeah, I kind of I understand that. And for me, like Leslie Pierce was a good example of how you can have really, really awful characters, but really, really great stories. Um, yeah, I th- I've just finished Leslie Pierce. I can't remember what it was called. Um, I think it's one of her. Uh, it's it's a newer one. So all right, I can't yeah. remember what it's called. I I do read a lot. <laughs> I yeah, forget a lot what what things were called. Oh yeah, I get the title, but then I forget who's written it. That that's oh, my so thing. I, 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 I pick up the author, and I remember I read them, but uh, but not quite the title. Yeah, I, funnily enough, that seems to be a consistent thing. Where everyone either forgets the the author or they forget the title, <laughs> but yeah, I Did read. Her, yeah, no, it's I didn't know it either until I started talking to lots of readers and different people, and and that seems to be the consensus that I've picked up on, you know, because I was talking to one woman about the Gypsy by Leslie Pierce, and I said it kind of made me her work actually made me fall in love with the whole concept of going to America to live in the gold mines but she has that really shocking brutal reality of what life was like you know it wasn't the fairy tale you know American dream a lot of people died and a lot of you know a lot of awful things happened and I just really that book made me fall in love with her all over again because I'd read her and I think it was Survivor was the two that I'd read and I just, yeah, that that for me just cemented her as one of my must fill the shelves with, no matter what she writes, you know. I, I have nice that. You, yeah, it's always nice tendency. to find an author like that that you can just buy yeah. a whole lot of books. And, and funnily enough, I actually, uh, I didn't find her. My mother actually introduced me to her, um, and we usually don't have the same taste in in books. But yeah, that was one from her. Is uh so when you go to the bookstore, what genre do you tend to walk or lean towards when you go in? Um, usually, family drama. I would say family yeah. drama. As soon as they say some, uh, you know, they've been married for thirty years and now everything's fallen apart, I go, "That's for me." Yeah, it's like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. what made it blow yeah. up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's I, I. Those are the kind of stories I love. I mean, I love Joanna Trollope for that as well. Um, yeah. always um, novels centered around families and, and, and families just generally trying to stick together and help each other and so I love her work as well very much so yeah and I, I think that was part of the reason I liked Catherine Cookson so much was because she wrote from a servant's point of view so like it is families that fall apart um, her Black Velvet series was all of, the Malin Streak series that's what it was called the Mallon Street series was about just that. It was about a family that completely implodes because they all have this nasty streak in them. 
And this poor wife marries in, not having a clue what she was marrying into. And it just all falls apart on her. And she's sort of, I kind of imagine her standing in the room being like, What happened? What, what's happening here? You know, like totally, completely clueless. And I, I kind of felt for her the entire way through that book. I was just like, Oh, honey, I want to come give you a hug. <laughs> Well, that's the way you, I'm sure that Catherine Cookson would be very happy to know you felt that way. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's, it's funny because she was also dyslexic. And this is what people don't know about her. Oh, really? So that was why she wrote her novels the way she did. It, she actually wrote her books the way she would speak. Oh, okay. So that's, yeah. and, and look, it worked. It did. I mean, she's she's been around for so many years. And her fame actually started in India. India? Wow. Yeah. she Actually, that's where she sold the most of her books. That's incredible. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's population. Yeah. And that's the thing most people actually don't realize is that that's where she uh, she exploded. Um, and then she made her name in England and, and then subsequently made her name in Australia. Um, and she spread out from there. And yeah, I, I thought it was so funny that here's this woman with a learning disability that ends up, you know, becoming this world famous, world famous author, yeah, and becomes a dame by the queen. So she 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 died maybe not having a university degree or being educated, but she was a she was a dame, and they gave her um, was one of the universities awarded her a diploma in writing. And oh yeah, her, no, yeah, they do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I thought that must be pretty amazing. So I, I tend to drift, actually, funnily enough, if I was to answer the question. I sort of just drift. I go through every genre just looking for something good. Um, unless I go yep. in with a list, you know. we all. I think we all go in with lists in there. But um, if I go in with a list of something I'm particularly looking for, then, yeah. Has there ever been a book that you picked up and you just wished you hadn't? I, I looked at that question and I thought... Um, you wanted to avoid that one? Yeah, I wanted yeah. to avoid that one. But, but you know what, why? Um, you know, all writers get criticised. I found we need to talk about Kevin. made yeah. me very angry. Um, yeah. It felt like it felt very removed from the idea of motherhood and, and everybody's yeah. like, well, not everybody should be a mother, but, well, really a sociopath should not be a mother. Um, yes. This woman was a complete sociopath and there was nothing redeeming about her as a human being at all. And and it's like, well, this is the worst case scenario of what happens to, to if you don't mother properly. I really don't think that's yeah. the case. Not everybody turns into a horrifying serial killer. Um, and I found that I found it a book that upset me more than anything else, you know. So, yeah, um, and that's, you, that's not where you pick it up. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think that's the point of a, a book is to... Yeah. To be emotionally distressed by it. I mean, for yeah. me, it was, uh, I think it was the sound of Women of Silence was mine. And I can't remember who wrote it now. But it was an art from uh, St. Martin's Press. And I always remember it because it, it didn't have trigger warnings on it, right? Oh, okay. And it's about the women who are captured by the, the Romans. It's a Roman invasion. This guy uh, is a Roman invasion. And it's the things that they do to them. 
and they're made slaves and they're made all this sort of stuff and I just I hated it but I felt like I had to read the whole thing because it was an arc and I felt like I I kind of owed it to the publisher to finish it but then I was like once I finished it I struggled because I didn't want to write anything bad because I didn't want to like criticize an author for that and it kind of really put me in a very awkward position so yeah I kind of wish I'd never picked it up I think I think that today you'll have to excuse me I'm just going to um, today I find um that yeah you're making such a noise today <laughs> I find that um a lot of people are more than happy to, to DNF a book and they yeah. just put DNF at 30% and that's it I've made that decision yeah and I, th- I think it's awful because the book was so well written and such a really they must have spent a lot of time thinking it out and creating it and I know how much time it takes to put into a book like that you know into any book it takes months of our lives because we yeah. you know not all of us are pantsers you know we don't just sit down and write it's like a lot of us are very constructive we break down the novels we make notes on the characters so that we know like so we don't forget their hair color and their eye color and what but yeah. what was the name of the dog <laughs> i'm terrible for doing that turn, suddenly turning to my husband say what did i name the dog and he's like well, what one are you writing <laughs> so, <laughs> you know because i i'll forget to say I, i'm working on such a such a project or whatever or if you, you suddenly get edits in the middle of writing, have you ever had that where you're writing and then suddenly you get edits dropped on you and you have to stop when you're writing and go at it? Yeah, yeah I, find so that, that, I find that quite, you have to kind of step away for a day and then come back and then I find yeah. it difficult, especially now I'm in the middle of writing a book that's due next year or, yeah. the, or the end of this year. So at some point, I can't even remember when it's due and I sort of, then I got some edits and I, I knew as I started the edits of that whole book, I'm going to have to go back and start reading from the start to figure out where yep. I was and what I was thinking at the time. It, it's that, a difficult what, situation, but um, yeah. I really wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, exactly, because it's so funny I say that because I was actually in the process of writing this contemporary, family-oriented story. And, of course, what happened, I got hit with two sets of edits, one right after the other, on top like right in the middle of my whole writing set and I was like no (laughs) if if she come a week earlier or if she gave me like three weeks the other side I would have been okay but it's the fact she's dropped it right in the middle and I'm like you know that way where you're just like ah because now I have to stop and go and do the edits but I can't remember that book so I'm starting from the beginning yeah I feel like I have to hold the whole book in my head when I'm when I'm editing or working yeah. on it, and so anything that interrupts that stops it happening. Do you do you find it hard to close your novels? Like when you get to the last chapter, do you find that you kind of procrastinate almost a little bit because, like you know, when you close that final page, that's that's the end of this people's story, and you have to walk away. I thought, um, I've just finished an edit now that I finished today, and yeah. The last few lines, I read it twice, and eventually I thought, oh. "Why don't you just stop now? It's done." <laughs> and and it's yeah. true. I did feel I did not want to let go of these particular characters. 
I, yeah. I just, I'm just not quite ready to let go. I mean, there'll be another edit, but it does feel like I've done the majority of the work now and the, the book yeah. is kind of living on its own. Yeah, and I, it's so weird you say that because I think that's why I write series because I don't want to close the book. <laughs> so I leave it so I can go back. And, yeah, it is. I would love to be able to write a series. If I ever got the inspiration, I would love a series. It would be nice to, and also it would be great to have characters that you could follow so you didn't, didn't have to explain them over and over. You didn't have to explain yes. them each time. Like people knew this yeah. is this is how, what she looks like. This is how she dresses. This mm-hmm. is this is how she thinks. So you kind of don't have to. I find I have to start. It has to be a new person every time I start a novel, and yeah. a whole lot of new people. And everybody needs specific characteristics that have to be sorted out. Um, yeah. So a series sounds like a nice idea. It is, and I mean, it's it's so weird because I have a series. I'm five books deep into a thirty-two book series. And wow. uh, yeah, we we were over ambitious when we sat down and we broke it down because uh, I write it with a co-author in Germany, and you know we we sat down and we broke down every book, every chapter of every book for thirty-two books, and wow. it it is good because I only change them slightly every book just to show that they're aging, so it almost feels like the reader's growing with the books yeah and that's it, so good. that yeah you know that. so it's like a moon rising kind of effect and i do a lot of like changing of seasons in my books i put in meals in my books because sometimes we forget that we forget to put that the characters to eat. <laughs> yeah yeah like and it's also a good reminder for me to go eat <laughs> if i have a, a scene so I go, oh, I need to have lunch or Ooh, I should really go eat my dinner. You know, like it's almost like a reminder for me to like take a step out for five minutes, kind of get some substance in me and not just drink coffee all day. And then, you know, go, go, yeah. no, I wouldn't go continue writing again. coffee all day, to be honest. Yeah, I, I have to. I, I have to remind myself. It's awful. So we're going into writing, and, and this is, I always say, my favorite part, and I think it's it's uh, everybody's favorite part when we get to this. So but the sort of first area that we're driving into is how do you go about creating your darker characters, your evil villains, and the darker edges to your storylines? So I, I think that I was thinking about this, and I was thinking I couldn't create a character darker yeah. than what I can read about. Like, I don't think, I think, like, yeah. I'll think of something and I'll think, well, that's just awful. How can you be that kind of a human being? And, and a week later, I'll read a news article of somebody who's even worse than that. And I'll yeah. think, so I think that these char- characters that I created, specifically because I do contemporary writing, yeah. they all exist. They all very much exist. And uh, I, I always feel, well, nobody would actually behave like that. Nobody would actually do that. And then I get an indication that absolutely, yes, they would. So I, yeah. I know that I'm working within the realms of human experience currently. So I don't, that they, they just so, are. So you lean on realism then. Yeah. 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 I think, and I love that. Like, that's something that a lot of authors don't do anymore is look for the realism in things. I think people sort of stretch, you know, how, what characters can do to the point of sometimes absurdity 
So it's always nice to have somebody that I work with or I get to read or I get to enjoy that has that realism element and refers back to realism. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's a really good quality of your writing is that realism and feeling like it's, you know, oh, this could actually happen somewhere. You know, like that connection is really good. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I don't... There's a certain element of psychological thrillers where some character that was never involved and you never considered and you never even thought about because they appeared, you know, twice in the first half of the book is now all of a sudden the villain. And I find that that doesn't work for me. It has to be a situation whereby you can, if when you, when you, the villain is revealed, shall we say, you can go back and go, oh my God, of course, I was, it, it was there all along. It was obvious all along and I just wasn't quite paying Picking attention it up. to that yeah yeah and yeah. so yeah that I, I prefer if it's something that can happen and the, as the you know the old saying truth is stranger than fiction there is nothing that I could write that that is not that would be a stranger's real life yeah no that is that is very true um and that's actually funnily enough I am working on a psychological thriller but it's also procedure at the same time and I found um, a detective in the US who was on the first 48 hours. And I asked him if I could work with him, uh, you know, t- to fact check, you know, a lot of the yeah. procedural stuff. Because I'm not a police officer, so how am I supposed to know certain things? And yeah, that's how I did it. I wanted to keep it as real as possible. And he said, you know, there is situations where murder doesn't make sense or certain you know, crimes just don't make sense because people are not always logical. People are emotionally driven beings and that has a factor in it. And, you know, that's why when DAs now in the US trained to be DAs, the police officers say, well, what's the story? Tell us a story about what happened that night or to this person or do you know what I mean? And it's it's weird to think that somebody must be sitting there teaching them how to write and put together these stories from from the factual information that they're provided. Yeah. I, I find probably why I enjoy writing is because I find newspaper articles and general reporting of something that happened completely, it, it doesn't feed my appetite for knowledge of yeah. why something happened. So they'll say, uh a man killed his ex-wife and after having an AVO taken out against him and they'd been fighting. And I, I want to know, well, how did they get together? Why were yeah. they still together? What was the situation? Why did they fight? How did yeah. he get there? Why did he get there? What led him to that day? And so I find that I need to answer all those questions that never get answered yeah. when you're reading a newspaper article. And that's where a lot of my books come from. I want the answers. I want the whys behind what happened. See, it's so funny you say that because what you're describing is deep point of view writing. And that's something that really, it amazes me it's not done more. You ask the why questions to everything. And I wouldn't have learned that myself if I hadn't actually started off writing wrestling. It sounds totally bizarre, I know. But wrestling writing is, you're borrowing somebody's, character which is really honestly their personality but turned up to full and you're borrowing that and you're writing a storyline for them but sometimes you have to work with them too 
And you have to yeah. take into consideration that they're going to ask me, well, why am I having this match? Why am I fighting this guy? Why do I have beef with him? And if it's, you know, that's what a good wrestler, by the way, is supposed to ask for the wrestling fans out there that will check this out. Oh, yeah, and- no, I watched a program. It was a program about wrestlers. I can't remember yeah. what it was called. There's only been one only only been one of them, an American wrestling family. And the they talk very much about how what is behind it is the story. And that's the what, yeah. what the fans want. They want the story behind the characters and why they're involved in this match. That's exactly yeah, so it right. is, it's, it's it's a play. It was in the roads, was it? Uh, maybe it was. Dustin Rhodes. I know they own a wrestling an, an arena. Oh, heels. Was it heels? Yes, yes, heels. heels. Yeah, yeah, I know. I See, I knew. I just, I knew. Yeah. If I asked a couple of questions, I'd get there. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's so funny because the, there is actually wrestlers, real life wrestlers on that show who do cameos. I thought, I thought, my husband and I were watching it and I said, you can see that certain of those wrestlers are actually, they're actually real life wrestlers. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like some military dramas where you can see real um, real soldiers being brought in as extras. And yeah. there's a certain way that they carry themselves that you can see that they've actually brought yeah. in real people. Because see the, see the one that did like, had his son in it? That guy uh, that came in? Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, yes. yes, That was CM Punk, who's one of the biggest, most well known wrestlers around the world. He's so popular in Australia. Um, But he actually came in as a cameo for that show, and they actually had him in for like two or three episodes. But the actual two lead, all the, the main characters aren't wrestlers at all. Yeah, so but they had can, to learn yeah, it yeah, and live, that, live it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it to me like the guy that that played the leading role, he had done wrestling before, but he'd done it with WWE. So when he came to acting it, it was a totally different environment, and oh, it was okay. totally different to be doing it in the way that he did. So you can almost imagine writing that. And the story behind writing that and learning that actually translated quite well into novels because I had to be able to sit there from a kind of like an almost like a reader's perspective. And I had to be able to answer, well, why did she pick that flower? Why is that her favorite flower? What does the flower have a meaning that we don't know? And I had to be able to answer all these why questions. And I particularly, one of the people I learned from he asks why to everything. In fact, he used to drive me mad with the whys. Because I would say, right, we're doing this and this and this. And he'd be like, but why? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. And, but I think yeah. it's good. You have to have the whys. Otherwise, because yeah. if there's no motivation, well, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. And I would say I'm a better writer because of him. However, he did read one of my novels and came back and said, you do realize you have a gigantic plot hole I could drive a semi-truck through? Oh, that's not and good. then he pointed it out. Nobody, not a reader, a reviewer, no one had picked it up. Oh, and okay. he did on the first read, and I was like, "Oh, I can't believe this." That one reader who does. There's always that one reader. Yeah, <laughs> you know that way where you just sort of like slap your face in your hand and you think, "I can't believe I did that." 
So, um, yeah, now I double check as I'm going through my book. I'm like, is there a plot hole there? And I have to kind of really look closely just because of him. Because I'm scared that he's going to turn up and say, well, you have a plot hole here. (laughs) It's it's, it's good for that, if nothing else. So, yeah. Um, But I'll... uh, I shall leave his name anonymous uh, as okay, he, uh, you are, yeah. he knows who he is, yes. So what inspired you to enter the psychological thriller with, you know, genre with your own voice? I, I think I thought that I was more suited to family drama novels. But yeah. every time I wrote a family drama novel, there would be this twist. Yeah. And... I, I think when I started, I sort of sold myself as family drama. That's what I'm doing, family drama. But there was always this twist. And when it came down to it, the more I write, the more I have become adept at finding the things that are hidden yeah. that all of a sudden make something work. So it, it, it's been a development more than anything else. Um, yeah. I think I started off very much more family drama, but there was always some element of the psychological thriller. And the idea that you can't put the book down that you have to know has yeah. also always been part of most of my novels. Fingers crossed. That's the idea. And that's that's really good to have, you know, and I think it shows through with the samples that I've been able to read and the things that I've been able to, to sort of look at. I think it really shows through in your work and that's a really good thing. Do you feel like your your work comes through as like a movie or is it more like a jigsaw puzzle for you? So for me, it's a series of images, and I know yeah. that when when a, when a movie when a, when a book appears, it's a series of images. And even when I'm writing, I see the scene playing out before me, which which is good and bad because sometimes I'll find myself um, I'll describe somebody doing I'll say somebody says something, and then my editor will go, "Well, what are they doing right now?" And in my head, I've seen them perfectly that you know they're busy yeah. writing something down as they say this. And, but I have to slow it down. I have to slow down the movie. I have to describe everything I can see in my head. So it's always images. Yeah, I mean, that's really good because, like, some, you know, a lot of authors have said, oh, it's a movie. And then I've had some that said, no, it's very much like a jigsaw puzzle. But it's like, as you said, images that they're taking and they're they're making fit together in a, in a yeah. sort of long about kind of way. So which character has stayed with you? You would you say the longest? Has there been a character that's hung around after a book's finished? Oh, there, there's there's quite a few of them. They're mostly the children. Uh, the the yeah. the boy um, Lockie from the boy under the table. I've never forgotten him. Daniel from the boy in the photo. I've never forgotten her. Uh, Ruth from the stepchild, who is yeah. uh, a woman with agoraphobia and who uh, creates piles of safety around her. Um, yeah. So it's the it's the the unusual characters who sort of appear without me really thinking. Well, I need a different character here. They're just just all of a sudden there's this character here, and they they arrive fully formed. So those are usually the ones who uh, stick with me. Cool. Is there a character you wish you could have written more about? Yeah, I'd like uh, in the boy in the photo, Daniel. I'd like to see how he grows up. I'd like to see yeah. how all the children grow up. Um, so I'd like, but but it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work because I, I try to give them a life that they can go on living without me. So I wouldn't want to come back and interfere. But 
but yeah, yeah. I think about the children. I, w I would love to know more about them. And sometimes every now and again, there was a, a book I wrote called The Secrets in Silence and there was a, a woman who finds a baby and I'd like to know what happened to her and how yeah. she moved on with her life and how that baby grew up. Do you think that there's a chance that your readers will see like these stories of the children after these books have been closed? Like, do you think you'll ever write about them? Or? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, never say never. I might write something yeah. that, that needs more than one book. But I don't think so. I think once I get to the end, I, yeah. I think about them and I, I'd like to know more about them, but I don't think I'd write about them. Has any of your readers asked those questions? or? Oh, yeah, they do. They do. A lot of people say I'd like to have heard what went on afterwards. But you do with a good book, don't you? You always yeah, want to know book, what goes yeah. on afterwards. So that's the idea. I think that's the series writer in me, though, that's always like, I got to know what happens next. And I can't quite let that go. So, yeah, no, I get that. What techniques have you found most helpful in your writing journey? But what's the ones that you've also tried and you thought, oh, why did I try that? Well, I used to write in a very linear fashion. So uh -huh. it would have to be chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and I would find myself rushing through the bits that I wasn't terribly interested in, that the establishment of scenes and scene setting, yeah. to get to the one scene that I wanted to write um, because that was so clear in my head. And so I have now accepted that I'll write a whole lot of different scenes and then have to go back and piece them together. Right. But as the scenes appear, they will get written. So I find that linear doesn't quite work for me, but the right. writing the scenes that are you, you're the most excited about, those are the ones I enjoy writing. It's it's funny you say that because I'm actually trying that for the first time with uh, one of my series, Will. And Will's kind of, his book is, is very much like that. I wrote the scenes of Will while I was writing the, the book, other books in the series. And he would just sort of randomly come to me and say, oh, and I would get inspired for a scene and I would open a blank page and I wrote it down and then I opened another. And eventually I ended up with them all in one document. So now yeah. I'm kind of in the awkward stage of now I've got to tie it all together to make yeah, it Yeah, that, that can be difficult. That can be difficult. Yeah. But, but I find once those intense scenes are established, yeah. then it's easier to feel the book. And yeah. so... That's what I enjoy. I enjoy doing it like I that. Sh I shall let you know how I get on with my jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> so my first time trying it. So I, I might write to you and say, I've gone completely insane <laughs> with this one. <laughs> if I get time to write it, because I keep getting pulled away by other editors and publishers, and I keep saying, but I want to finish that one. Uh, what is the sort of going into your life now that the thing that makes us who we are and the people that we are to sort of defunk a lot of the the readers impressions of us in regards to that we're you know that we are very antisocial and that you know we sit in our big houses and we write or we sit in our little houses and we you know don't interact with people so in regards to that we're going to kind of get to know you as a person a little bit better and sort of humanize humanize authors is kind of the way I put it. So what's the first thing you do when you want to de-stress from writing and editing and just, just chill it out? So I, I mean, my greatest pleasure is reading. Um, yeah. Obviously that just, if, 
but but I do. I walk the dog a lot. Um, I think that being out in nature is a really healing thing for me, and I enjoy being yeah. out with the dog and and just appreciating. And it's time to not think about anything but my surroundings and yeah. colors and sky and, and things. Like that. So that's that's how I really. There's a very a full stop to the end of a day because it ends with a walk, yeah. and 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 it starts with a walk. So that there's always this the day is bookended with those it's like coming full circle yeah. Mm. yeah i like that it, i i don't have a dog i have two cats and i don't think they would appreciate me walking no, them like a dog so. walk. <laughs> well we tried we got the little harnesses to take them for walks and as soon as i put the harness on uh, bob he just goes floppy and lies sort of on his side oh okay in, in protest he, he doesn't you know? want to walk no, he's he he likes to go outside. He just doesn't like the harness. So, uh, what hobbies do you enjoy, or ones that you wish that you could explore if you had more time? Uh, I really, yeah. I don't do this. <laughs> I mean, I go to the gym, which uh, which yeah. is a non-negotiable because otherwise my back won't survive the writing process. But uh, I think that's no, the case mostly, for all of us. I, if yeah. just given more time, I would read more. Yeah, I, I I think to me, honest, I think that would be the answer for me too because I used to ride horses, I used to dance, um, but I was, you know, and I'm, I'm very qualified as a horse rider and I love it, but since I shattered my jaw joints, I can't ever ride again because I can't put a helmet on and you're here legally in the UK, you have to ride with a helmet. Uh, so, yeah, I think for me it's it's reading and writing is... is my life and I don't know how I don't know what else to do with myself to be honest yeah. I mean you do the paint the diamond painting and cross stitch and so those are other things yeah, yeah I do th- I do those as my uh my de-stressing calming techniques for when I get too pissed off at my writing because <laughs> I go through periods where I just get really annoyed at my stuff and I go ah! and then I go away and I, I I'll do like an hour at the paint, you know, doing painting or diamond painting or sewing, and I feel much better. And then I can go back to writing, and I I don't want to throw my computer out the window. So. No, it always helps to take some time off. Yeah, I I I really find it amazing when somebody says they start writing at six o'clock in the morning and they finish at six at night. I'm like, how do you do that without no, wanting well, to kill your machine? I couldn't. Yeah, really. I mean, I've got kids, so I couldn't do that. <laughs> So I'm, I'm about to, well, we're trying this year for our first kid, and honestly, I'm so scared how it's going to impact the writing, to be honest. No, they do. They get in the way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what but, I was thinking, but, yeah. Don't, but, you know. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'll work it out. I always do, so, yeah. Um, so, do you craft, and if not, what other ways do you kind of, like, just take time for yourself? Um. So no craft, no. Um, television, I love. Yeah, that's I mean, good. Got every streaming service around, which is why I've seen yep. deals. Um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> There's a lot. I watched everything. So, I yeah, so yeah. I find um, I, I love to watch how, especially how books come to screen. How yes. Um, you know, that's always interesting. Have you seen Flesh and Bone? I have not. But I think there's a lot of stuff that doesn't quite get here. 
Oh yeah, that's true. So it's like it's, it's the same in the UK. Yeah, that's like it's we have coming Amazon on, and, Prime. but in Australia, it still takes a while to come. Yeah. Well, if it comes over uh, to Australia, it's a a ballet thriller. Okay, I will so have a look. It's worth looking that one out. Uh, it is not. It, you would not guess how it goes. It, it's enough. one of those. It's really good. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend that. However, there is some areas in it that you know I wish they did sort of warnings about. But it was like it was like Outlander. I, I stupidly uh, read the book and didn't realize that I should have read the trigger warnings for Outlander. Oh yeah, no, I know. I, I got caught with that I mean, one. <laughs> totally. You have to. Have, I think you have to have trigger warnings. I, I, one of my novels didn't have trigger warnings, and I think a reader took it quite badly. I actually do that on my reviews. See if I come across a book and I know it's not got a trigger warning on it. I put it on the uh, the review. I'll put it at the top, trigger warning, and then you know I'll I'll say inside, this is a trigger warning for anybody that's experienced blah blah blah, and then that way I don't feel like I'm bringing that up for them, you know. Yeah, although I think it would be very hard to find a novel these days that had nothing you know yeah, I mean, even I know. romance is filled with stuff Got that triggers be, yeah yeah oh no i would agree with that i'll i'll have to i'll have to say that when i wrote marie's world i didn't think a twin sisters turning on each other could be classed as a trigger oh and was it it took me completely out of left field when somebody said, oh, you triggered me because my twin sister turned on me. And I was like... Yeah. Uh, oh, I, where okay. do you draw the line, really? Yeah, like, I, I, that's the thing. Like, with mine, it's one twin goes and publishes her other twin sister's journals. So it's not wow. like she gets stabbed in the back or she gets shot or something. No, it's just she went and published her very famous twin sisters journals and blows up her twin sister's life in a way that poor Marie's got to figure out how to piece it all back together. But then she's also got to kind of get over her bruised ego and go back and rescue her sister from herself. So Wow, that sounds, that's an intense story. The layers that I put in it was what made it such a difficult write. But people laugh at me because they, when they read it, then they discover all this. Like, they read it once, they discover one set of things, and then they read it a second time, they discover even more. So it's one of those ones where as you're reading it, you're kind of learning more and more and more as you go. And yeah, that that was definitely the most intense series that that I'm still writing. Thanks to Joe's big idea about doing a really long series. <laughs> but it's great because I, I've gotten to do prequels, which I never got to do. And every every character gets their own book. So you get to learn about all the characters that's involved. Because there is so many characters. You've got Marie has her own love triangle, but so does Layla have her own love triangle. And then there's the dad in the book. What did he have to do with it? And then there's a half-sister, and she's screwing things up as well. And, you know, so it gives everybody an opportunity to learn all sides of the story um, and all sides of these characters' lives and how 
one person's actions impacted all these people. Uh, and of course, that that when I did it, it wasn't, you know, because I, I started this way back in 2000s. It wasn't a style that was done. So, I, you know, I had nothing really to kind of tap into. And yeah. I'm still in that kind of instance where I, I, I enjoy reading people that have attempted similar ideas to that and seeing how they do it. But I actually use journal entries, which I thought was a great idea when I did it. Yeah. Learned it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. Because you have to go from your writing voice to theirs. Yes, that's true. It, yeah, and it, it, it most chapters have a diary entry, so it was yeah, it was it was tough, but people say it was worth it. Oh, that's good. I don't know. That's, that's I leave that to the readers to decide. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't have any grey hair when I started the series. I have a mile in streak now, like a whole streak of grey hair. So. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. I think most of us do when we write books. So, my for myself, I've got a long-term health illness. And it makes me slow down and appreciate the, the day uh, and smell the roses. What's you consider your thing that makes you slow down and appreciate the day and enjoy the day? I think I think the end of the day when you find yourself is a moment when everything's done and yeah. you slide into bed and you open your book and there's that, that wonderful moment of peace. That's that's the time when I appreciate everything the most, I think. I must admit, I love quiet. that moment too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's I a just good love moment. That, that quiet, yeah. Until my husband starts snoring and then the quiet evaporates, yes. No, yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do sometimes roll him over if he's too too loud, you know. I'll roll him over Fair so enough. I can get to sleep. Yeah. So what's your favourite place to curl up during the day? Like, is is it the garden? Do you have a cafe that you go to? Is that a reader's nook? No, I sort of, I've got, the, like, where I am now, which is, is just a room upstairs and it just happens to be the room that I sit in and and work and it's just it's I I'll lie on the floor for about 10 minutes and meditate before I start working properly so I don't really have a place to curl up during the day it's this is just where I am yeah no for me it's like I like to curl up in the armchair however the armchair has become my writing space now so because I got kicked out the spare room uh hobby oh, okay. to the spare room as 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 hobbies do so now i i must admit like the bath is my favorite place to go because i get peace and quiet in there and i can lock the door and the cats don't bother me and the hubby, the <laughs> hubby can't bother, you know annoy me and that's my place to go so oh, the quiet bath. i like i like a bath a bath a bath and a good book you can't go past yeah, do you do you not find though that you go in with a really good book and then you realize, oh crap, three hours has gone by or four hours has gone yes. by? Yeah, but I, I make the bath really hot, so after a while I realize I'm really hot. It's time to you know, and um, but yeah, but but you've earned you've earned it, haven't you? So yeah, you do. Yeah, because like people don't realize the mental energy that goes into writing, like. It's very draining sometimes. Like when you finish a book and you're just like, I could sleep for a week, kind of thing. You know, you just sort of flop over. And you're just like, oh, I need to need a good sleep. Yeah, it is. Now. It's emotional. Yeah, 
I think any good book should leave the author completely emotionally just run Drained. out, tired, yeah. exhausted, you know. If I'm crying by the end, I know page. I've done okay. Yeah. So now we're on to the word game. And I should have asked you before we started this, are you no, willing to tie, tie it I'm into books or just words? words? That you, yeah. Okay, so, that's good. Because I find a couple authors when we get to this point, they're like, whoa, can we make it word association? Because I couldn't find books to match the words she gave no, me. No, I, I found to match most of them. I'll tell you if I if I, if I I didn't find a book that yeah. I've read. I might I might hint, like, cause, uh, I had a theme when I did yours, and I have a theme for everybody. So okay. when I saw you were in Australia, I thought of, like, I just had this really sunny place in my head and I used the words came from that like I imagined what it would be like to be in a beautiful city like Sydney and and this is what kind of came to me so (laughs) yeah that's fine it it did rain most of summer though (laughs) oh did it oh no (laughs) well that never had non-stop rain but today was really nice so it's weird because I think you guys got our winter rain here from the UK, usually it rains all winter. We've not had a lot of rain this year. We've had mostly like snow or we've had really weird frost, but we've not had lots of rain. So I think you guys actually got our rain this year, which is we got, a bit I think weird. we got everybody's rain. Yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of rain. So, yeah. So the first word's daisies. And so for that one, I thought The Garden Party by Grace Dane Mazur. Oh, that's a good one. That yeah. is a good one. Yeah. That that was that was just what popped up. I actually, I really enjoyed that novel. It, it's a it's more a character study than it is a story. Um, yeah, the, all these different characters. But I I really enjoyed it. I was probably just really much very much in the right mood for it at the time. Yeah, I think I think some of those books though, you have to be kind of in the mood for them. So that's good. Yeah. What about rose bushes? Now, see, I, ca- I came up with absolutely nothing for rose bushes, and I don't know I, why. I had Bridgerton. I had Bridgerton by Julie Quinn. All right, okay. No, I've never read that. I mean, I'm obviously loving the series because yeah. um, you can't help but love those dresses. But, uh, yeah, yeah I have, I've never actually read it. Yeah, no, I, I don't know why, but the, I haven't read it either, but it just, like, because I've seen the series too, yeah. it just popped in my head. I was like, oh, Bridgerton. It's like, what's going on with me today? <laughs> uh, pond. So I thought the blue bedroom and other stories from Rosamond Pilcher, and I don't know why. I think because of just the way she describes the houses that um, her characters are living in feel like places where you'd see ponds, like little ponds. Yeah, it feels very English. A pond. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I I had um, the Wicked Pure Dad series by Debbie Glory, which oh. is. Uh, very funny Scottish children's series about Loch Ness monster living in this girl's pond. Oh. And, uh, all this sort of weird things that happens to her and her family. That is a very, if you're just wanting a funny book, that, that's yeah. a really, really good series okay. for that. Yeah. Okay, so Fish. Fish, I had the Midnight Library. I, I don't know why. I think there was a point at which they were talking about tropical fish. And it just immediately uh, reminded me of the book. So I'll go I'll go with that. Yeah. Swimming pool. The Sanatorium by Sarah Pierce. 
didn't love the I book. I know that one. Yeah, but I the know swimming that pool one. is very much a feature of that book. Yeah. Umbrella. Oh, Jonah Trollope, Mum and Dad. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that's the umbrella of the family, and I think they're they're away somewhere nice. Um, and it, I, I, I don't have no idea why, but it just it felt very much like the right place. I I had umbrella in my head because I had uh, Hamilton and Catherine Cookson going at the same time. Oh, <laughs> right, okay. a, the the girl always has an umbrella for some reason. She's always carrying an umbrella, and I, I know it could never work she out She knows why. the rain's coming. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I suppose it is set in England where it does rain all the time, so, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can understand that now. Ice tea. Okay, so this is strange, but Weird Sisters by Terry Pratchett because I just thought about the witches um, sitting around yeah, drinking tea. Yeah, that's a good, that's so a good it, one. It feels like, I mean, it's iced, but they wouldn't have drunk iced tea, but I just... They just popped into my head. Yeah, I had um, Chesapeake Shores for that one. Oh, okay. I haven't read that. Yeah, that that was, uh, I think that was a series to Netflix thing. Yeah, like I've, seen, I, yeah thing. I've seen that it's yeah. on there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's, it's, it's a very kind of wholesome show. So easy to watch if you just need to, like, take a minute away from life. It's yeah, it's 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 good. It's sad it's ended actually. Lemonade. Oh. Um Lemonade, small town rumors by Carolyn Brown. Because that's Ooh. all they do in the South is drink lemonade. Every time a character comes oh, yeah. home they're having lemonade, homemade lemonade. I always crave a glass of homemade lemonade when I read those books. Yeah, I, you know that's strange. I would have thought iced tea for the south of the states. I don't know why. Maybe, but then you can't give this. You can't give the witches lemonade. Maybe you could. That's the, it's an interesting thought, though. Yeah, yeah. I I would uh, I would love to kind of like one of the the things that I've always wanted to read is a series about like I have a lot of Scottish friends that have actually emigrated to Australia. Right. And they always say, like, oh, it would be awesome if there was, like, a, a family story or a family drama that had Scottish people trying to make it in Australia because it's such a different world to what they've come from. And I said, well, I said, you know, I'll, I'll drop hints and see if see if an author gets inspired. I said, I can't guarantee it. So, like, they always ask me. You'd have to be a Scottish author living in Australia. Yeah, uh, have, so I keep yeah. I keep nudging some publishers, saying, "I yeah, send me out for three months for research." Oh, fair enough. <laughs> so I can enjoy the sunshine, and you know, it's always a place I've wanted to visit. Um, and I have a lot of Shetland friends and sort of people that I've known that have moved and emigrated and had families out there, and they just love it. They absolutely adore it. So yeah, I'm it's curious. It is. Yeah, I'm very is, curious. Yeah. I would I would probably emigrate to Australia before I would emigrate to the States. Um but that's just me personally. Yeah, I, I don't know. Look, my family immigrated. We came from South Africa, so yeah. uh that's a very different place. But um Yeah. I would yeah. love San Francisco. I think San Francisco although the weather's not brilliant, but, but the weather I, I is awful. Yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. I'll give you that. I was in a I was in Los Angeles. Um and the heat, I'd never experienced heat like it. But I went, of course, in the heat wave. 
and it All was right. the humidity that was the problem for me because I ended up with just like an afro because my hair just did like this thing where it just stood up and I just no matter what I could I had to tie it down like constantly I would have to go for a shower every morning and then pleat it because it would just like stand out for like a mile and my husband thought this was hilarious and I was pulling my hair out going ah so yeah um I would ha- I would have to figure out a way of controlling the uh the hair <laughs> fair and I'm sure you'd work out a product but I don't mind you see I don't mind the heat the hotter it is the better for me I like the heat too husband not so much but yeah Well, that's been us on the Book and Life podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have Nicole with us. And I cannot wait to have her back. And I will be trying to do a spotlight review of one of her books on an upcoming episode. So make sure you guys keep an ear out for that. And uh, yeah, come back next week to see uh, what other amazing guests we have in store. There might even be some more crying. Who knows? 